Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. When the journalist Tom Wolfe was still young, this was back in the 1960s, one of his first big assignments for Esquire magazine was an article about the custom car culture of Southern California. He spent four weeks at an expensive hotel in Los Angeles on Esquire Magazine's dime, interviewed car people all over Southern California, took pages and pages of notes, and then he was flattened by a bad case of writer's block. He had piles of ideas and facts and some great turns of phrase, but he just couldn't seem to find the place to start. After weeks of wrestling around with it, he finally gave up. He told his editor, Byron Dobell, that he needed to drop the assignment. As Tom Wolfe put it, Dobell told him just to hand over his notes so they could find a competent writer to make an article out of them. So at about 9 o'clock that night, Tom Wolfe started writing a letter to his editor. Dear Byron, the first place I saw customized cars was at a teen fair in North Hollywood, California. Then he kept writing. He wrote through the night, producing 50 typewritten pages. He sent them over to Esquire magazine in the morning. Later that day, Brian Dobell called to say that he was just going to remove Dear Byron and run the whole letter as the article, The Candy-Colored Tangerine Flake Streamline Baby. It turned out to be one of the best-known articles of Tom Wolfe's very memorable career. I love that story because it reminds us of the power of letter writing to set us free from a lot of the crippling and egocentric fears and neuroses that shut writers down. A letter strips the writing process all the way down to its essentials. It's just one person telling another person, hello, here are some things I want you to know. That doesn't seem so precious or so daunting as, say, writing an article for Esquire magazine. You can't help but pay attention to your audience because your audience is a person, not an abstraction, not the American public or the donor base or, oh my goodness, is anybody even going to read this blog post at all? I don't write a lot of actual envelope and stamp letters these days, but Reagan Draghi does. Reagan is part of the Habit membership, and in her self-introduction, she mentioned that she has been writing to the same pen pal since she was 11. That fascinated me. I then found out that she carries on quite a bit of correspondence by way of pen and paper, envelope and stamp correspondence. Even when people connect with her online, she sometimes asks if they'd be willing to correspond by mail. One of her colleagues in the Habit membership suggested that I interview Reagan for the Habit podcast, and I thought that'd be a good idea. Reagan Draghi, thank you so much for being on the Habit Podcast today. Thanks for having me. Uh, I um, uh, am really interested. I don't know why this, it's a shame that this is interesting, but I'm really interested in the fact that you write lots and lots of regular letters with pen and paper and you put them in the, you put them in an envelope, you put a stamp on them and you send them to friends and people send them back. And you've said, um, even when somebody reaches out to you in some sort of online communication, you'll often say, hey, can we just exchange letters instead of doing it this way? Yes. I love writing letters. <laughs> Tell me about it. So how did you get started writing, writing letters? Well, when I was a little girl, um, I, I would probably the first letters I wrote were thank you notes to my -hmm. grandparents for gifts. Um, And in grammar school or, you know, grade school, you learn um, how to write a friendly letter. And so I would, I mean, I liked reading and writing and drawing. And so I I loved to put stuff onto a piece of paper 
and um and then the concept of mail you know i i don't even remember when i learned about that but i would write letters to family members mostly and then when i was um a little older um about when i was about 11 years old is when i was i met well i found my first pen pal okay my friend sarah um she lived in Iowa and I lived in Iowa and we grew up together. And then my family moved all the way across the country to California uh-huh. and I wanted to stay in touch with her. And uh-huh. so I wrote her a letter and she wrote back to me. And every uh-huh. time I wrote her a letter, she'd write back. So, <laughs> And y'all were 11 when this, when this correspondence started? Yes. Yes. I still and have every single one of her letters too. Really? in a box. Yep. Um, and, and y'all are still writing back and forth. That's right. Yes. So now I live in Minnesota and she lives in Nebraska, but we, Uh, we still write letters. We see each other. We try to see each other once or twice a year now that we live nearby. Um, uh but we have a lot in common and Mm -hmm. then we have a lot that, um, is different about our lives and it's just, um, it's just so great to, I don't know, develop a friendship that way um, across yeah. a distance and yeah, yet talk about things that can be really intimate and um, meaningful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, uh, my first, I guess my only pen pal was when I was in elementary school, our class somehow started being pen pals with a class of kids in Minnesota actually. Wow. So we were in Georgia, they were in Minnesota, and they would write us these letters about how, um, what the weather was like there. It, and, and we would kind of pass them around, like we, we would show each other the letters we'd gotten these kids in Minnesota. And like, we think, are they pulling our legs? It can't, it can't, surely it's not that, you know, it's, it's April, it can't be that cold. They're lying, right? <laughs> and we, you know, we all, um, it, it was this little glimpse into I remember it so vividly that it was this glimpse into these kids live in the same country I live in and, and things seem so different for them. And they'd say they lived on, they lived in the Mississippi river, which I thought that's, we thought they might've been lying about that too. You know, because, <laughs> because they said they lived on the Mississippi river, but they're in Minnesota and we couldn't make any sense out of that. And it, it, but we were all comparing our letters that we got. And it was, it was really, um, I just really vividly remember it felt like it was opening a new, a new world to me. Although I didn't stick with it like you did, because I don't have the same discipline or something that that you mm. seem to have. Mm. Um, so, tell me about uh, one thing you you wrote to me when, when I was asking you to tell me a little bit about your your uh, life in letters. Um, you said that writing letters requires and cultivates patience, courage, and faith. And here are a few more qualities to add to the list: economy, generosity, curiosity, and faithfulness. Can you say more about that? What do you mean when when you say that writing letters cultivates patience, courage, and faith? Um, Well, uh, I think it's important to practice writing. um, And letters are the way that I practice writing. Mm -hmm. Um, I I write to a particular person Mm -hmm. on a particular day, and um, I send it in the mail and it's slow. Um, so that requires patience, Mm -hmm. um, just, just to sit down and 
to use real, real paper and a pen and <laughs> um, collect your thoughts. And so any kind of writing takes patience, but then when it's a letter, you send it in the mail and it takes days to reach the person. Usually <laughs> several days, if not more. Um, and they're reading it at a later time. And, um, and then you have to wait for them to reply and you don't know when they'll reply. It, it might be a long time or never. There are letters that I send that never, I never get any reply from. Um, but yeah. And then courage. Um, I think that that's, that's a big one for me. Um, I, I am afraid of what people will think uh, of me and of what I think. And mm. I'm afraid um, that what I write about won't be good. Um, yeah. or, and so when I write a letter, I'm kind of, it's, it's an act of courage. Mm. Um, it's, it's putting my thoughts out for in the open for, for mm -hmm. one other person. So it's someone who I at least hope to trust um, with that. And so I think it's just to even write a letter, um, you have to be brave. Um, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that action that's kind of tied into faith too, is just you're, you're writing and that's an act of faith to, to do something. <laughs> Yeah, Not right. just to think about it, but to yeah. do it. Um, so the fact that you are that you're writing directly to one person, do you think that's a different kind of courage than say a blog post or something that you're putting out to a to a broader swath of? I mean, yeah, say a broad. Who knows a blog with a blog post? You don't know if ten people read it or a thousand or nobody. Um, right. But what do you think? Is that is that a different? Because I sometimes I know sometimes you you blog. So does that feel like a different kind of courage? Um, it's 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 similar in a lot of ways. I guess maybe I put a little more expectation into it hmm. when I'm writing a letter because I know it's only going to one person. Yeah. So I I could follow up. I could try to follow up with the person. If yeah. they, um, if they don't ever respond. Yeah. But yeah, it, I mean, there is, there is another way in which maybe they'll never read it. So maybe you don't have to be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but on the other hand, when I get something in the mail that, that somebody wrote with their, with a pen, I throw away a lot of mail, but I don't, I don't throw those away. I, I just, when you, when you say the other person might not read it, I, I think they probably are going to read it. <laughs> I guess maybe with a blog, it, it is really easy to just read it and not ever respond to. Um, that that's been my experience, and um, with a letter, when I get a response, there there is sometimes worry, especially if I know that I've written something that I'm worried about what the response would be. Um, if I get a letter back, yeah. Um, I might, I might be worried before I even open the envelope. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, in the, in the world, this sort of digital world where we live, um, I'm just thinking about the ways that writing a letter is different. And, and one is um, we're so interested in reach when we write 
in the electronic, the digital world, you know, and the, the fact that now you can sort of calculate, I mean, there are now calculations, whether it's here's how many likes you got, here's how many, you know, thumbs down you got, um, or in the case of, um, you know, I send out this weekly letter, the, the, the habit weekly, and I can see, I don't, uh, thankfully I've quit looking, but, but I can see what, how many people opened it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sent it to this many people and, you know, 30% opened it or 25%. It, it's amazing that, that we have now, you know, th- there are statistics now for how you should feel about you know, how, how popular or unpopular you are. That used to be kind of a vague sense. And now you can actually have numbers to see, you know, these things. Yeah. And I love the, in, in a letter, um, you're, you're limited to, to one like, you're not gonna get more than one like, <laughs> you know, and, and you're giving up all that, all those statistics, and you're giving up all the the uh, the aggregation of what's I don't know what that I don't know what the 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 um, um, object of that preposition is, but there's some sort of aggregation that you're giving up and saying um, this is this is valuable. You know, I'm the effort I'm going to here is. A honoring to this one person, right? I, mean, I think there is in writing a letter to a person, you are giving up some of the the things that we expect writing to do that we've learned to expect writing to do for us, like for for me, the writer. Like I, I'm serving this this reader, and um, and that's one thing I, I love about about what you're doing with your with your letters. Yeah, well, maybe because we have the internet and we feel like we're connected to people all around the globe. There's that size of, um, I don't know, of wanting to reach a larger number of people. Um, but I still think that, yeah, writing a letter is a small act. Um, it's, and it has more depth and there's just so much more to it, I think, um, in a real letter it's someone wrote it with their hand, you know, um, usually, um, and they put your name on it and they were thinking about you with every word that they wrote, you know, um, they weren't thinking necessarily about what they were writing. They were thinking about you, who they're writing to and how to communicate that to you. Yeah. The written letter, um, focuses you on the truth that you that that you are serving somebody else in your in your writing um and as i said earlier i, I think it is a way of honoring the other person um, um the the very fact that it is inefficient is what's so wonderful about it you know and i, I think inefficiency yeah. inefficiency is so you know the the writing life the creative life um if you can't embrace inefficiency, you, I think you're in the wrong business, you know? Mm. And yet the world is like an abundant place. Um, can, I can forget that easily. Um, I've been given so much. I guess when I receive a letter, I feel like it's such a gift. Like I want to read it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that this tangible um, friendship um, relationship with someone. And I, it makes me want to give a letter back and write back, like usually yeah. the same day. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
How do you make time to to write these letters? I mean, you're kind of, you know, you're rejuvenating a whole piece of property. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Um, You're raising kids. I mean, how do you, how do you manage this? Well, I guess like any writer, I, I do have to set like time, make it a priority. Um, I, I go through seasons of where writing is more of a priority and then Mm -hmm. seasons where it's not, and I don't write as many letters. Mm -hmm. Um, But letters are kind of, I've, in the last few years, I've even though I've written letters my whole life, the last few years are really when I've started to um, think of letters as my main um, <laughs> writing. Um, yeah. When people ask, "What do you write?" I, I I kind of feel a little embarrassed, but I say I write letters, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I I just think I have to practice like. In, in a sense, it's practice. I, mm-hmm. I think about the person I'm writing to, of course, and it, my friendship is at the top when I'm writing to them. But I want to, I think it makes my writing better the more that I write. So I need to devote a certain amount of time to writing every day. Um, I don't write every day, but um, I, I sometimes will. Like right now, it's November, and I am trying to write every day just for the month of November. Uh-huh. And I don't write a letter um, every day. I work on other writing as well. Um, but some days I write a letter as my writing. Um, and but the rest of the year, and I'm I'm excited for December to get here, so I don't have to be quite so strict about it. But, um, and then I can focus more on other things too. So, um, it, I, my life schedule is pretty, I work at home. Um, I homeschool and, um, we are, we live in an old farmhouse. So there's always something to work on around the house. Um, and so I have a pretty flexible schedule, mm-hmm. but it still requires me to set that time aside, which I'm learning how to do better and better yeah. every day. Yeah. Do you ever, when you're sitting there writing a letter to a, to a friend, do you, do you ever have the thought, what I'm writing, right? This, this is so good. It's too bad that I'm sending it only to one person. Does that ever, does that thought creep in on you? I think it does. And I definitely will write the same story in multiple letters to different mm-hmm. people. Um, it, but it's different every time that I write it, it changes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think that's really neat. Um, I've also started keeping a little log because I write so many um, with a, just a quick description of um, every letter that I send like just a one line so that I have an idea of what I wrote to that person last. So I don't Mm -hmm. repeat myself too much, but I've received letters um, that have repeated things to me and I don't mind. It's kind of fun to hear it again. And and it's always going to be different after time has passed. You tell the story differently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a great point. And when we get together with our friends, we'll tell the same stories over and over again. That's right. Yes. So yeah. That's so good. Um, and because I, I know that I've had that thought creep in on me and I think that what a, what a horrible thought. I mean, the thought of, am I wasting this by 
by, I mean, that's such a, I, I'm embarrassed even to admit that I had this thought, you know, but, but like, this is, you know, this little anecdote is so brilliant. It's too bad. The wider world isn't seeing this. And I mean, of course, you know, the truth is I don't, I don't, I write very few letters anymore. Um, although I do send, you know, emails to one person at a time. Um, but, but you're, you're inspiring me to get out the pen and paper and, and, uh, and write more often. You know, the other thing that I, I think that the digital culture has taught us to think of, um, of ideas and stories and things as being disembodied, right? Is what, but what matters is the information, the, the, you know, bits and bytes, not the embodiment of, of these things. And, um, uh, and so the, the letters that, you know, when, when you sit down and write a letter and put a stamp on it, put it in an envelope and all those kinds of things. Um, it is a reminder that, that our stories aren't just, information right they're 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 embodied mm-hmm. um, yeah and that's not a question that's but you may have some thoughts on it yeah um i don't know what came to mind i just i re-picked up 84 charing cross road which mm-hmm. is about um a correspondence between someone in new york and someone in england and um you just, you feel like you get to know those two people just through a letter. Like there's no other real description of their lives unless you go and look it up on Wikipedia. But you just still, even if you just read that book and those letters going back and forth, there is something human in a letter that there's more than just the words on the page somehow. Um, The the way they write, Um, I mean, the... Their voice. Mm-hmm. Do you think, are, are there ways that Cher, 84 Cherry and Crossroad would be different if those were emails instead of letters? And then they're reprinted in a book. So I, I do think a lot about how they were written when I read them. I imagine, you know, what what kind of paper, what kind of pen or are they sitting at a typewriter? Mm-hmm. I think I imagine the person mm-hmm. in London, He's the he works at the bookshop and I imagine him typing. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> at a typewriter. Um, and then, the, like, I look at the dates and I see the speed at which yeah. um, the letters travel to each other. Sometimes there's a week, but sometimes it's longer. Sometimes months go by. Yeah. Um, and then there's, you, you, you just have to fill in everything else with your imagination. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah it, it is slower, for sure, yeah. I, I guess. Somehow that's conveyed in... Uh huh. Yeah, and I think the the slowness also um, um, just makes you a little more thoughtful in the way that you communicate. In in the it is, I mean, you are using a stamp, and so maybe you want to put a little more uh, <laughs> thought into the way you communicate. You know, it, it, you're the fact that you've already slowed down makes you slow down a little bit more. It seems to me when when you're when you're writing a letter instead of an email. Um, do you read books of letters a lot? Like. Do, have you read um, Flannery O'Connor's Habit of Being, for instance? I have not. It's on my list. Yeah. I um, I really want to. I think I've read Tolkien's and I've read mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis's Letters to Children. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be really interested to read more of C.S. Lewis's. I know he's corresponded with other people as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Um, yeah, he was very diligent. He was a very diligent letter writer, from what mm-hmm. I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they didn't have email back then, so. 
Yeah, I know. But but the fact, but he got so many he got so many fan letters that if he if he had failed to answer them, we would all understand. But apparently, he was very good about answering his his letters. Wow. Yeah, amazing. And then for Flannery O'Connor, I mean, she felt so isolated, and she wasn't. I mean, I don't think she was as isolated as we sometimes think of her as being. Um, mm. I mean, I think she had, I, I know a lot of people came by to visit her, uh, but, but so much of her, her world was, um, you know, written in, in letters. Um, so much of her connection with people who were in the, you know, who weren't local was, were, you know, was in the form of letters and a phrase that she, um, that she uses somewhere is the idea the of, um, um, there are certain things that, that just go up and talk, you know, and that, that when you, when you are, when you do have people nearby that you are sort of, um, you know, articulating your, your ideas to some of those ideas, instead of being captured on paper, go up and talk. And, um, and one of the, uh, you know, one of the things I'm grateful for about her life is that she, so many of the people that she, that she, communicated deep things to she had no choice but to do it on paper and thank for those people yeah. saved those papers too right that's that's the other yes yeah yes. who wouldn't save a letter they got from Flannery o'connor <laughs> <laughs> um i wonder when you say isolated you mean like living rurally kind of or yeah living rurally and not not able to like so she she started out her literary life you know in the iowa iowa writers workshop you know um, then she moved to New York City or, you know, then went to Yaddo, you know, artist colony or whatever it's called, um, lived in New York City for a very brief time. But but uh, but had kind of was had literary friendships, which then she had when she got sick and had to move back to Georgia. She didn't she wasn't able to um, mm-hmm. be in the same room with those people very often. And so she she was writing letters. Yeah. And then even if depending on where you live and your circumstances, um, even if you, if you don't have a lot of people around you, um, who are interested in the same things as you, Mm -hmm. but then you go other places or meet people who are, are far away. You Mm -hmm. then have to write a letter to be able to talk about the things that you're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you live in rural Minnesota. Um, is, is, is that your experience? Is, is it, some of your interests hard to find people who, are, who share your interests? Yes. Um, I, although I mean, I have lots of friends for, with other kinds of interests, but not as many sure. who love literature and art and, um, and writing as much. So I, I do. Um, I'm very grateful for the friendships that I've, developed through writing letters um, yeah. to be able to share those things um, and know that, yeah, I'm not the only one who loves it and, and to learn and be just to be able to talk about them, a conversation yeah. back and forth on the same things. Yeah. So I touched on this earlier and, and, and said, maybe we get back to it. You, you live on a piece of property that you're trying to sort of bring back to bring back to life to sort of salvage your, and, I want to I want to hear more about that, and then and then hear how that's you know any connections you see between your writing life and your life as a salvager of 
acreage in Minnesota? Um, I've always wanted to live in the country, but I grew up in cities. Okay. Um, I, I think I just love the natural world a lot. And I also like, I also love being surrounded by the weather and not being surrounded um, by as many people. <laughs> so uh -huh. I, I appreciate that. Um, I, I have a, a deep appreciation for the solitude. Um, and I, so I, so I always wanted to live in the country and it was six years ago now that um, we found this place and moved here. We, we lived in town before, but we lived in an old house there too. But we found this old farmhouse um, on a couple of acres. We have three and a half acres and it's about 20 minutes outside of town. There's another small town about four miles away from us uh -huh. in, in the other direction. Um, but the town we go to the most is probably the, the little bit, a little bit bigger <laughs> one. And, um, so I think what we looked for, we wanted something that was old and, um, my husband, Brett, um, has worked construction a little bit, but he went to college for, um, technical theater and <laughs> he used to build sets at uh -huh. a professional theater. Um, and when we had had enough of city life, we decided to move back to the Midwest and um, just, he would use, he found work doing something else technical, but not not building art, artistic sets for storytelling. But um, so we, we could put our, our time and talents into doing work around a house, doing projects on a house ourselves, And that, and so we, we found an old house and, and we just started designing a vision for it. Um, I think we also have a appreciation for the story that places tell. Um, there's so many people who've lived here before us. Um, <clears throat> and I think we've just barely gotten to started to learn a little bit about the history because the farmer who owns the land around our property, he, his parents lived in this house. Hmm. And so it's really neat, I guess, to feel a little bit attached to the history of a place. Yeah. And it's, it was built in 1890. We know it's a small house, um, has three bedrooms and one bathroom and but it's the right size for us and we have yeah we've just kind of been just pursuing that vision of of what we would like it to be a place for people to come and um just be able to relax and feel safe and um just enjoy enjoy life i guess yeah i love the way you're talking about your space you know, the, the, or the way you talk about your space and what you're doing with it is a reminder that there, that, that, you know, creativity is such a broad, um, uh, such a broad idea, right? I mean, you are, um, in your house, in your, in, in this, in that hospitality that you're shooting for, you're telling a truer story, you know, and, um, and that is, 
you know, I know it's in in one sense is related. It's related to your writing, just insofar as is in both cases you're telling a truer story than than the one the world is telling. You know, mm-hmm. and and um, I love that reminder uh, that we think of um, to to think of the arts and you know art, the arts and creativity are not um, those aren't synonyms. Right in the the pie that is creativity, the arts are just one one sliver. And I love the the way that your your whole life is creative. You know. Yes, they're both good on you. They both start with ideas in your mind, then have to come out and be incarnated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, good. Well, you know, and and so there's. I'm also hearing a. in both what you're doing with your house and your and your property, um, and in what you're doing with your with your writing, there's there's again there's something old fashioned about it, right? You're you're, yeah. you're trying to to tie into something that's that is um, that's a little older than five minutes ago. Yes, they're both slow, right? They yeah. take time, yeah. <laughs> and they they don't always turn out the way you want them to right oh, away yeah, right. either. <laughs> you, you have to work and work and work. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Well, Reagan, I always end these conversations with the question, who are the writers that make you want to write? So uh, I'd love to hear from you. What, what the, who are the writers that make you want to, to put pen to paper? Oh, I always, I always think about this every time you ask. Um, I think um, the ones that make me want to write um, are Laura Ingalls Wilder. Mm. Um, she lived on the prairie. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I, I feel like a lot of her stories are true memories from her childhood. Um, mm-hmm. But I also feel like it's this completely other world. It's nothing like anything I know. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, just how simple and different her life is from our modern life mm-hmm. today gives me an appreciation for mm-hmm. ev- all of those things. Yeah. And, and just the fact that she told those stories, um, it makes me want to tell stories too. Yeah. For people. Yeah, that's great. Um, another one is Annie Dillard. Um, I just, I haven't read all of her books or anything. I've read like two, (laughs) Uh um, and I want to keep reading her for sure. But I think what one thing she says is that we were put here to give voice to our own astonishment. Uh And that's just what I want to do. I want to give voice to what astonishes me in the world. So, and just the way that she's astonished by things, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. is is really inspiring to me. Um, and then uh, Marilyn Robinson is another one. Um, yeah. Just the way that she talks about people. I mean, the way that she each of her books, the Gilead series, mm-hmm. is distinct, and they're also gentle. Um, yeah. in, in their own way, the, the characters give each other grace and receive it just yeah. over and over and over again. 
until you start to just believe in grace, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> and last one, it would be the writers who make me want to write are the people who write me letters. Um, mm. I want to write back when I get a letter. Yeah. It gives me so many new thoughts and ideas and questions to ask. Yeah. Um, the people who take that risk to possibly fail or even just to uh, admit that they failed, but that they tried again. Yeah. Um, hey, can I ask you a quick question about that? Yes. How do you fail as a letter writer? That's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess you don't quite finish maybe the letter. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. People, I guess, I mean, people are always apologizing for their handwriting to me. <laughs> and, um, and there's so many things we can apologize for, but I'm so happy to get a letter. I don't yeah. mind. <laughs> I know. That's, that's the thing. It's, it's, and I, I, I wish we'd gotten to this earlier in the conversation uh, because I think uh, this is, I think it's really hard to fail at letter writing because so many people are so glad to get a letter. And, and it's, I think it, that you said that, that writing a letter is an exercise in courage, but it also gives you courage, but because mm -hmm. it, because you, you know, that, um, you know, because it, it's so relational, what matters is the relationship, not yes. your ability to be articulate or smart or come up with beautiful figurative language or all those things. None of those things matter very much mm -mm. compared to the fact that you just wrote a letter. And, that's, yeah. and that you connect with somebody and then they, they loved it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's what get, excites me. I, and that, now that I'm thinking about it, that's what excites me most about letter writing is that people are just so glad to get it, that it's, it, it gives you a lot of courage. You know? Yes. Um, and as you said, we apologize all the time in our letter, uh -huh. but yes. we don't need to because people are just glad to get it. Yes. All right, Reagan, thank you for, um, for these great reminders about letter writing. I, I hope, uh, I think people will be very inspired to sit down and write a letter from hearing you talk. So, thanks. I hope so. <laughs> the Rabbit Room has partnered with Lipscomb University to make this podcast possible. Lipscomb has graciously given us access to their recording studio in the Center for Entertainment and Arts building. We're so grateful for their sponsorship, their encouragement, and the good work they do in Nashville. Special shout out as well to Jess Ray for letting us use her song Too Good as part of this podcast. Visit JessRayMusic.com to hear more of her beautiful songs. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co. This podcast was produced by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. All our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate.